Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Our thanks to Adams Road Band for that musical introduction. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. This week, we've been looking at a conference message that was given by a member of the first quorum of the 70 in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a man by the name of Adiyinka A. Oheteran. He is a Nigerian and he has been a member of the 70 since 2020. He gave a talk in the April 2022 General Conference titled The Covenant Path, The Way to Eternal Life. Now, I had emphasized in a previous show that this is a phrase that was emphasized in another conference message that was given by by Russell M. Nelson, the 17th president of the church. It was in his talk, the power of spiritual momentum. I just want to read the two times he uses this expression. He says, the covenant path is the only path that leads to exaltation and eternal life. Now, those are synonymous terms that Nelson is using here, but he's making it very clear that if you want to receive exaltation, if you want to receive eternal life, which is also synonymous with godhood, then you must stay on this covenant path. Then later on, not very much later on in that same talk, Russell M. Nelson said again, it is the only path that leads to exaltation. And that's basically what Mr. O'Hedron is saying here in his title, The Covenant Path, The Way to Eternal Life. And then in the subheading, in the printed edition, which is in the May 2022 edition of the Leahona Magazine, it says the path to perfection is the covenant path, and Jesus Christ is the center of all ordinances and covenants. Now, when they talk about this covenant path, they don't try to give the impression that they're all alone in this. And I think sometimes Christians maybe misunderstand that. The LDS Church does have a doctrine of grace. It's understood partially as being an enabling power, which enables the individual member to do what is necessary. So they do believe they get help from this grace. They do believe that the Savior is helping them as well. And he's going to talk about that in the next paragraph where he begins to help us the savior came to redeem us and show the path to return to god he continues god's children are invited to come to the savior and be perfected in him in the scriptures we find the invitation for us to come to the lord repeated over 90 times and more than half of these are personal invitations from the lord himself Accepting the Savior's invitation means partaking of his ordinances and keeping our covenants with him. Notice what he says, folks. He says, accepting the Savior's invitation means partaking of his ordinances and keeping our covenants with him. It's one thing to make the covenant, let's say at baptism or when you were going through the temple, but it's another thing to keep it 
keeping the covenants is what's essential. That's what keeps you on this quote-unquote covenant path, by keeping these covenants. So again, I think it needs to be said, anybody who thinks that the LDS Church believes in a justification by faith alone and that works are not necessary is not paying attention. And I wish many Christians who assume that would only listen to general conference messages such as this one here by Mr. Adyinka O'Hederan. He's not teaching the same gospel as we find in the New Testament. Uh, When he says that we're invited to come to the Savior and be perfected in him, I immediately think of Moroni 10.32, and this is what it says. Yea, come unto Christ and be perfected in him, and deny yourselves of all ungodliness. And if ye shall deny yourselves of all ungodliness, and love God with all your might, mind, and strength, then is his grace sufficient for you, that by his grace ye may be perfect in Christ, and if by the grace of God ye are perfect in Christ, ye can in no wise deny the power of God. Based on what Kevin Hamilton said earlier in a talk that he gave, the 70s said that there's an if-then proposition. And so the if has to be fulfilled in order to get the then. And that is exactly what Moroni 10.32 says. You have to deny yourselves of all ungodliness, and only when you do that, and love God with all your might, mind, and strength, then is his grace sufficient for you. I don't know about you, Bill, but I am not successful in loving God with everything that I have. I struggle with this. You know, I am convicted even on Sunday mornings with some of the songs we sing in church because I have to ask myself, am I doing that? As much as I want to do this, I desire to do that, I know my sinfulness gets in the way sometimes. I guess it goes along with what Tozer, A.W. Tozer said at one time, and I'm just paraphrasing him, that Christians don't, we don't speak lies, we sing them. Mm. And there's a lot of truth to that. And the worship part of our services on Sunday are very convicting for me because I guess it's the the older you grow in Christ, the more cognizant you are of your shortcomings. And this is why I don't see myself as getting closer and closer and closer to the righteousness of Christ as maybe some Latter-day Saints think they are. I see myself in my sinfulness. As I understand my sinfulness and I see Christ's holiness, I really see that gap getting wider and wider and wider, which all the more compels me to face the foot of the cross and trust in what Christ did for me on that cross. I know it has nothing to do with what I can perform. And unfortunately, I wonder if Mr. O'Hederan really thinks he's doing all this. And that's a great question. In fact, it sure seems like these leaders are being looked upon as people who are successful with keeping the commandments as they're telling everybody else to do. I mean, Nelson and Oakes and Hamilton and the others who have given talks like this don't seem to admit that they struggle with this. Like Joseph F. Smith actually said that he struggles, sixth president of the church, in a 21st century church manual called Teachings of Presence of the Church, Joseph F. Smith, pages 61 and 62. Listen to what he says. Who can say in his heart, in the presence of God and man, I have truly repented of all my sins. I have many weaknesses and imperfections. I have as many weaknesses as many of you, and I do not know but what I have more than a great many of you. 
I have not been able yet to live up to and honor the second principle of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I would like to see the man who has. I would like to see the human preacher who has done it. But I am trying. I want you to understand, my brethren and sisters, I am still trying. Because he's trying, they think in their head, that means I'm on the covenant path because I'm trying, because Spencer Kimball certainly wouldn't have agreed with that. But what you just read there from Joseph F. Smith is one of the rare times, because we've talked about this before, rarely do you ever, and I can't even recall in modern times, where any leader getting up in general conference got up and said, look, I struggle with this. I have a hard time with this. I find myself repenting far more than I should be. You just don't hear him say that. Well, here you have Joseph F. Smith, who was the sixth president of the church, actually questioning whether someone can truly repent. Well, isn't that kind of the theme we hear over and over and over again by these leaders, that you need to truly repent? You need to not just say it, you have to actually do it. Which, what does that mean? It means you not only confess the sin, but you abandon it. You never repeat it again. And if you do repeat it again, according to section 82 in the Doctrine and Covenants, your former sins return, saith the Lord. And here you have a leader in the LDS Church, one of the few, I might add, who's actually admitting that seems like an impossible task. Well, if it's an impossible task, and Joseph F. Smith is being honest with us when it comes to his personal feelings, then doesn't that tell you that what these guys are preaching here cannot possibly be the gospel? Maybe it's good that they do call it the restored gospel and set it apart from what the gospel has been known historically, because folks, that is not the gospel. If you can't do what's necessary, it can't be good news. And yet, these leaders, like you say, Eric, they get up there and they pontificate on these things. They quote Abraham 3.25 about how you have to do all things whatsoever the Lord commands you. And you have to wonder, if I was sitting in the audience at General Conference, if I was sitting there, I would be looking at that man wondering, are you really doing this? You're telling me to do this, but are you really doing that? Didn't Jesus have something to say about a certain group of people that lived during his time? who were putting heavy burdens on the people that they didn't even live up to. He most certainly did. And sometimes I can't help but wonder if these leaders do come across as modern-day Pharisees, even by members in their own church. This kind of a talk has been called kick-in-the-tail talk. Uh, We've seen this many, many times in General Conference, where the leaders act as if they're doing everything, and they let everybody know that what they're supposed to do, and everybody knows they're falling short. But I attended a General Conference a few years ago, but I wanted to see the General Conference. So I got in and got on the main floor, sat in my seat, and it was about five minutes before the conference was going to start. And then all of a sudden, I look around, everybody's standing up. And here come the men, a hush, because there was some talking going on before. And then these men come in, and that was when uh, Thomas S. Monson was the president. He led the other leaders, and they walked slowly to their chairs, and then they stood there. While we all stood, I mean, we all had to stand because it seemed like the thing to do, and I don't want to be disrespectful, but it just seemed like that introduction showed right away who's who. 
these are the living prophets, and we are supposed to listen to what they're going to be telling us here in the next two hours. And the sad part is, is while many of the people will be listening to what these men are saying, how many of them would be considered good Bereans to go home and check out what they're saying with what the Word of God really says? I don't think many of them would. That's what breaks our heart when it comes to the members of this church. We see them listening to these men, and they don't tend to question them. They just assume because of the positions that they hold that what they're telling them is true. And if you're a Latter-day Saint listening today, our heart goes out to you because we see something that maybe you're not seeing, and we don't take this lightly. And when we hear men giving these kind of talks, telling you what you're supposed to do, which is something that you are never going to do. If you're honest with yourself, you're never going to accomplish this. You're not going to do all things whatsoever the Lord your God has commanded you. I could guarantee you couldn't even list all the things that he would command you. And if you don't know what the list is, how do you know you're keeping it? And notice what Joseph F. Smith said. I am trying. I want you to understand, my brethren and sisters, I am still trying. Well, you mentioned Spencer W. Kimball. He said trying is not sufficient, nor is repentance complete when one merely tries to abandon sin. To try is weak. To do the best we can is not strong. We must always do better than we can. This is true in every walk of life. Nobody can do what Kimball said had to be done. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.